This is all about the products. I'm Henry Latham. This is Rob Hamlet. I was about to say, you're Henry Latham, Rob I'm Rob Hamlet. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm definitely Henry Latham and this is definitely Rob Hamlet. How's everything good? Me. <laughs> How are you, Henry? I'm good. It looks quite sunny in Berlin for like, it's like 7.30, isn't it? Yeah, 7.30. It's quite light. There's a, a little element of blue sky out there. Still got well, a jacket on there. It's quite, yeah, I've literally just been running up and down the stairs oh, and right. I just took the dog out as well. Um, but it's, um, it's quite bitterly cold. It's like six degrees. So the wind is quite nippy, I have to say. Quite warm here, as usual. <laughs> it's always hot. <laughs> Every day is yeah. hot and sunny. Um, it's like it reminds me of when I was in Dubai. For the, I oh never looked God. at my weather app while I was in Dubai. Yeah. It even got boring just like looking at how warm yeah, it yeah, yeah. be. Yeah, that's the one thing. Because I, funnily enough, I don't think I ever checked the weather when I was in London because it, it's like never that cold. So you, yeah. You like, oh, I'm just going to have a sort of thin jacket. It could be July, it could be January, you're probably fine. Yeah. Berlin, it's like every day is just a roll of the dice. You've got yeah, it, no it, idea. Even during the day is a yeah, roll of exactly. the dice. You've got no <laughs> idea. Like, April there once, like 30 plus degrees. And then, yeah, we had it snowing last week, wasn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, we, we had it up at like 18 or 19 degrees. It might have even tipped 20. Yeah. And then about three days later, it was snowing. And it's been kind of like, I guess, um, snow flurries, I guess it's such a good Flurry. word. Oh, God, sounds flurries um, for the last like two or three days, but nothing. It's kind of settled for a little yeah. bit, but nothing really much. Anyway, we're being really British and talking about the weather. <laughs> I know we are. We should talk about that could be a whole podcast just on the weather. Yeah. We're too British. <laughs> It'd be a bit outdated though, because we used to post it a few days later. Yeah. Anyway, um, what is new in your product world, your world of products? What is new? Uh, I am at the end of a sprint. So I've literally done the handover about three or four hours ago today, three hours ago today. Um, mm. So I now have this kind of mental capacity to think of other things, which is really, really nice. How? Actually, gone. Do you, yeah, I've actually, do you find it, because I've never done like a multi-day sprint, do you find it like really all, con, you know, say you do, you do your, your eight hours, your nine to five, and then I imagine afterwards you're thinking like, oh, you know, what are they going to come up with tomorrow? I imagine it's quite consuming. Or do you just get used to it? Can be. It can be, but I, I'm, and this is where I have to say the process just works. So whatever is yeah. thrown at you is normally dealt with. How many sprints have you done? This year or in total? No, just, uh, since forever. I honestly, I don't know. Hundreds, probably. Hundreds, probably hundreds. hundreds. Yeah, so if you, it must be very... Yeah, like very for the first two years of AJ, we were pretty much doing a sprint every week because yeah. we weren't doing iterations. You were Monday, Thursday somewhere and then come back to the office. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, every week. Uh, and then we moved into the uh, the buy, well, the iteration sprints. So That's a two-week sprint. Oh, yeah. And um, and then um, we would overlap those by, uh, so we would bake on a, oh, sorry, I just banged my hand on the desk. Uh, we would bake in, um, you know, like a bit of time to ramp up and then some handover time. So in total, the whole process would be like three weeks. And then um, we would um, we would basically every three weeks have a new sprint. But sometimes we were running sprints in parallels as well. So we would be jumping across to and from different sprints, depending on whether we but were the same person. Can, it had happened occasionally, yeah, exactly. So he, um, oh, yeah, that must be stressful. It's, it's uh, the time, say, like 
Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. I wouldn't recommend it. Chuck um, another one in, try three at once. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but it was, I mean, we've done boot camps where we've run multiple sprints at the same time as well. So um, they don't really count because they're kind of like training or whatever. Training, but yeah. we did do a couple of, um, you know, live products in the boot camp and they had like this kind of secrecy around their table um, with those clients. And then, uh, yeah, we basically took it into, obviously a, a boot camp is only the first uh, two right, days. Right, right, right. And then we would just take it in-house and do the prototype and then do the testing as well. So yeah. it's a good way for them to be able to, to kind of cram a product through the boot camp whilst they were learning yeah. and then have some of us obviously guide them through the process as well. So yeah, yeah I mean, they, those are the days. Jesus, that, actually, that's a, <laughs> a quite a long time ago now. Just <laughs> <laughs> running two sprints at once. Yeah. <laughs> Flying exactly. call in the background. I, I have to say, I think um, the sprints have got more complicated, as in the products. Um, it, I, I was even um, why is that? Um, I don't know. I I think um, I I think especially Leap now has this kind of um, reputation for kind of getting people out of like sticky holes, and mm. you know, when you're when you're working with like venture capitalists, Le- leaping the mountains, exactly. Yeah, when you're working with venture capitalists and fintechs, those products have a, an element of complexity around them. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Back in the old days, uh, you know, back in the old days, I mean, you know, the the Twitter sprints were pretty complex. Um, but you know, going back to um, you know local kind of media stations here in Berlin, and they wanted an app uh, to kind of like just mm, you know yeah, experience yeah, yeah. weather, and I think they were way more simple. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, well, that, that's. I mean, that's the thing that I've always. We do. We need to plan this ripping into design sprints at some point. I, think I don't feel that strongly about. Like, I think they're just quite good. <laughs> 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 One of the things I was going to ask is like, how good are they at uncovering? Sorry, there's a lorry driving past. How good are they at uncovering? Um, like, because I imagine it's quite easy to be like, oh, it's you know. It's, we'll just skip over the sort of legal implications like API integrations we'd need for building like of course you know, yeah cool you, yeah of course app. yeah yeah um, address that kind of thing we just skip over it <laughs> no no let me be sensible um, so yeah you're right because the sprint is not there to uh, determine like the legal components of products yeah, it's, your, yeah, yeah. it's the best possible chance or best possible outcome of what this product is likely to yeah, be yeah yeah exactly and um it's more about just like you know the business validation at this point yeah. like these all, I mean, that, this is a good really example handy. yeah it is because you just need you need to know if the product's going to work first yeah like if you're worried about the semantics of the legal side like imagine when n26 well you never move forward right with a yeah exactly yeah. then but also there's i think there's a huge amount of value there's something i weirdly like intuitively did <laughs> the, the only thing i think i did right with my first business was because i was doing product and the product design like i'd always do even like early day of pro- so it was sketch and then you put it into envision for process i I'd, I'd always map the vision so it's like this is yeah. this is what we're going to aim towards like how might we get there yeah and that's really powerful just to firstly for developers so they can see like what are the implications of structuring something in a certain way and like how would you know thinking ahead right in terms of yeah. technical debt uh, in terms of um obviously you can start validating that and be like, well, yeah, that's the thing we should move to. And then also just as a motivational thing, like people, you know, yes, it's just a shiny prototype, but getting people to sort of visualize what the vision is, I think is always quite powerful. 
Yeah, and it also means that you've got something that you can then move forward with as well. So for example, you know, you have a, a broad understanding of something tangible that represents something of what this product may be. Yeah, it's yeah. like- It's also about the value, right? It's, it represents, exactly, yeah. this is something I took massive trap that the product managers that I train have is they, they're so used to thinking in terms of features. So yeah. It's like that classic analogy of, you know, the blind person, what is it? Blind person touching an elephant and someone touches the tail and goes, what, what is it? Someone touches the trunk and thinks it, what is it? It's like a teapot or something. And um, <laughs> I can't remember the analogy, but hopefully non-English natives get, have heard that thing. Point is, is that we're retraining. I literally just had this in the workshop earlier, 10 minutes ago. Oh, you got a beer? I might grab a beer. Mm. Um, we're retraining them to think about not just like, oh, we need to build this feature, but it's like, what, what is this? Like, what are we ultimately trying to achieve? What's the job to be done on a higher level? Usually about, you know, saving time or gaining status and yeah, you know, saving stress, these kinds of high level things. It's like, that's, that's what really we're trying to do here. And I think that's what a prototype represents. Yeah. This is just the first shot, how yeah, we might solve that. And it's fine yeah. to, to pivot on that, but as long as we've always got a clear picture of what we're really, what we're trying to do on a high level, the yeah, vehicle exactly. will change, right? The, the, yeah. Whatever we deliver, the, the solution itself. I'm just texting my daughter to, she's got her friends over, so I'm just saying <laughs> I'm recording a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but she didn't know that. That's fine. Um, yeah, exactly. And then, you know, there, you know, obviously there has to be some work to be done afterwards because this, you know, this is the, I think the big misconception is that people think the sprint is going to give them answers to everything. Yeah. And like I mean, people love your, magic um, stuff though, don't they? Like, of course. Yeah, of course they do. And going back to like the terms and conditions thing, you know, or like onboarding, for example, you know, like, you know, or registering is probably a good one. You know, yeah. you don't need to test those things in a sprint because you want to find out whether people have some affiliation with the product rather than how they're going to actually use yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you again, can that's a massive trap. I think people yeah. generally are just, we're really good at latching on to things that don't really, that don't ultimately matter. Yeah. Like, yes, you need to make sure it's legal. Yes, you need to make sure you can actually build the thing. Yeah. And you'll get but, experts and people in to do that as well. Yeah, exactly. But like, you, you, the hard part actually is building something that people care about yeah. in some way. Yeah. So, so you, and you're not going to think about that if you're worrying about, you know, do we call it first name or just name? You know, these kind of silly questions like in the onboarding, for example. Yeah. It's like, do you want to put your name there? That's yeah, what you're trying to like, Please worry about the stuff that matters. Do you think yeah. that comes from... Like, because I've always, I, I've seen that a lot, right? And it's constant frustration. My person, from, obviously from my personal experience, I think that comes a lot from like not having founded a business before. Because it's like when you, you know, either, when you work in a really small team where it's your thing, it's so clear when something doesn't deliver value. <laughs> so it's like you just, yeah. you can't hide behind unimportance or you could for a while, right? At some point it will come crashing down. Yeah. So it just forces you to go like, okay, that you know, doesn't matter if something's not pixel perfect. It's not gonna, not worth it's all, my time yeah. or paying somebody it's, X amount to, to yeah. fix this thing that ultimately doesn't matter. It's the big picture. And yeah. that's what you're trying to get an understanding yeah, exactly. of. And I think a lot of, you know, product people, and this is not a bad thing, but it just, you know, they have their specific areas of focus and they, they think that all of those things are important. 
And it's actually yeah. not. Yeah. It's you're just well, trying this to is, prioritize this a, what's important. This is a problem I have with product design. Well, let's say UX designers generally, we're gonna get the, the hordes of UX designers who listen to podcasts after me. I think there is a general, this is true of most roles, I think product included, like there's a general ignorance of business, ignorance, a lack of emphasis on business values. It's like, yes, we need to make the user happy. And, and, and generally, if we make the user happy, they're more likely to pay for something and deliver yeah. business value. But also we need to think about differentiation, like position in the market. Yeah. How do we make money off them <laughs> ultimately? Because yeah. if you don't have a product, it's not making money. At some point it's going to crash and burn and then you're not yeah. providing any user value. Um, so I think that's something that it's, it's hard to teach, right? Because obviously you can go and do an MBA, you could go and do the product MBA. But um, I think It'll it's difficult when you go, well, you just don't see the implications as well, right? You know, a big company and it's like, yeah, you sort of get that, you know, what you're doing ties in, you know, if you, if you get more people to sign up more, <laughs> so if you can you know, increase onboarding conversion, like you get that that's going to help the business in some way. But I mean, it's somewhat like clouded, I suppose, in many companies. I think it depends on what the product is as well. Like there's no like set formula for like yeah. deploying a product. There's a massive dependency on what the the value proposition is of that product mm -hmm. and then what it means to people. And I think, you know, you ha almost have to like work backwards and, you know, and this is where you can go back to like the, the Dropbox examples, you know, you know, how did they, it was more important for them to have more people using the platform because it only worked when people were sharing yeah. files, for example. So that's why they monetize like re recommendations and things like that. So, but you would obviously, you know, you wouldn't necessarily do that for, um, I'm trying to think of another product now, um, you know, <laughs> like a an e-commerce product, for example, yeah, like exactly. why would you? Like, yeah, the, yeah I mean, that's so also I think a, a, a trap of, thinking that I have is just someone is I've always having done the investment route I'm just very pro bootstrapping which is also not a good idea actually in most cases right if you're going into competitive market you you will probably get torn to pieces at some MailChimp is a good example for example um you know they're ultimately in you could call it marketing but it's like customer yeah. management right customer yeah. relationship management they are, uh, you know, they were like a stalwart, right? Everybody, if you had email stuff, you would go to MailChimp and it's, they're still good for small business. But I'm, I'm noticing that they're falling behind. It's a bootstrap, it's still a bootstrap business, like highly profitable. Yeah. But they are falling behind things like active like the campaigns. The HubSpot kind of things. Exactly, yeah. Um, yeah. Because they're in, they're just, they're in a really competitive market and they're one that's suit, like business critical. So like people are constantly looking like what are the best tools. Yeah. So there are, there are, yeah, I'm aware that I've got a sort of like a illogical dislike of non-profitable startup, but in many cases it makes sense to go after growth. Yeah. 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 I guess as well, because you're coming at it from the bit, it needs to, it needs to make money, doesn't it? At some point, otherwise <laughs> you're, um, and especially as well, like when companies have investment, they obviously have to have a return on investment as well. So that's where the monetization comes yeah. into it. So yeah, it's, um, yeah, I, I, it's a, I, I had a conversation a couple of years ago. There's a guy in Berlin and he was working for this startup uh, guy and he was in, you know, he was actually having frustrations because he was like, wow, well, you know, like we, 
we never really you know deploy things we um you know the the ceo is always changing his mind so we end mm. up kind of trying new things mm. and and actually you know it sounded like a dream position because there are no um you know no investors that were making their ceo accountable for uh, right it was just literally his money that he was burning and you know he was a very wealthy guy so he had this luxury of this team that would just you know make everything that he wanted but it was interesting because this reminds me of my old my old days when i worked at qualcomm we used to work on a lot of blue sky things and quite often like things like um the app store before even apple had created the app store we were doing our own like WAP kind of uh, web shop and things like that and you know we did iteration upon iteration upon iteration of all of these um these experiences that would get people in and i think it was only eventually like i think it was like sprint or something um ended up buying one of the shops and one of the one of those um you know kind of products went to market but i remember the talking to the design team and they were like yeah like all this blue sky stuff is great but mm. it would just be really nice just to actually have something that goes out out to market and it's kind of like this balance like you need a yeah. mixture of both of them this guy was literally only working on blue sky stuff and his manager his ceo well, was always pivoting and they were never materializing I think that's a different thing is like there's uh, there's there's it, there's an argument to be made about like whether you go after growth or profitability but there is no argument to be made about not testing something out in the marketplace of course yeah I exactly. that's yeah I think that's crazy yeah. even the idea of it you know when I was luckily I don't have to work for people anymore but when I was, was working for people and consulting you come in and it's just like yeah how do we know you just realize they've said three years like nobody has not a clue yeah about any feature that's been worked on yeah it's still yeah. this like frenetic I don't know, how which it seems crazy i mean it's completely bonkers but yeah. um but it's just it's habit right i think it's just that the, the luck that i when started my first business like we went into an accelerator and, and were pushed to do all of this sort of lean startup stuff and obviously it's yeah. easy when it's a new company and it's particularly when you're young and you don't have all this like experience built up uh, I've just I've never understood it. Like, it seems completely bonkers to me. Just to like do <laughs> something. All right, yeah, done. Next thing, and not, never yeah. reflect on what's actually going on. You would be surprised at the amount of company, and also oh as well, yeah, it's, um, it's vast majority, isn't it? Yeah, I, actually, majority. for me, this is a really good thing for Sprint as well because the, it it meant that this was taken care of. People would like a Sprint because they're like, well, fuck it, great then they're doing user testing. We don't have to even worry about yeah. that. And you think a lot of companies, you know, like especially by the time you've, you know, got NDAs out and you've found actually the right demographic as well to test with, to a lot of companies, it's just a hassle. And they also don't know how to use test with people but as so well. People just, don't, people just can't be bothered. Like, there's one thing that's so under, but like, I remember writing an article on this about user testing. It's, if you want to do a user test, it's, it's really easy. I mean, it's really yeah. easy. You can reach out to friends, family, you can get introductions, you can reach out on LinkedIn, Facebook group. There are really easy ways to do it and there are a lot of people that will tell you exact steps to do it. Yeah. Most people just, most teams just don't bother because they are either, like they're, they're just disempowered, right? So they're like, well, what's the point if we're never actually gonna use this to inform what we work on? Um, and I, I also think it's like way more complicated than it is. And it's, it's not, yeah. really, it's, don't ask leading questions. You can yeah. stick to a script if you need to. If you really don't finish sentences as well, it's also a good way to get them to kind of say more as well. Sick. I mean, basically it's ask a question about, so it's like, you know, 
what um so like you, you have this frustration right get them to start talking and just nod quietly and you're going to get lots of information that's even leading actually i have to say like when you're saying no but not that difference between like vigorous yeah. nod and yeah. just the the sort of keep speaking this is a safe yeah. space nod how does it make you feel yeah that's leading you're looking like <laughs> no you know it's the sort, of like, like... the sort of how i'd imagine a therapy session is like her it's very sort of calm it's kind of that <laughs> you know there's no judgment so what yeah. that kind of vibe yeah it's cool and I, I i i love kicking off the one as well by saying you know like this is not our work we're here impartially so you can't flatter us or offend us and then people like go they can oh, relax great, yeah <laughs> shit um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's yeah. Really I was going to say something then as well about user testing, but I've actually forgotten what it was now. Um, but it was, yeah, there's just a, a ton of value for actually doing do. it. Yeah, I think also doing it, you can't really outs. I mean, well, there we go. That's criticism of sprints outsourcing. No, you don't outsource, though, do you? Because you sort of do it with them. Shit. A lot of people do, though. I feel like there's no counter arguments yeah. i mean i have a deep think about this i take a holiday to i will give you a good run for your money i, I will also so i'm on holiday now for two weeks pretty much um, oh, nice. cool. now and um, so yeah for me it was like okay this is like the the first quarter is done and yeah. it's been an immensely successful first quarter so i now need just to take a break i mean yeah, good. You know, the irony of it is is we aren't going anywhere um so it's going to just be two weeks of i'm going to read your book i'm actually going to read your book in those two weeks so nice. um the book that i've never seen i, I don't I think i should admit this publicly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I've got. I've literally I buy you a copy, Henry. So I've never seen the physical like, version of my book. It's not fair because also it was like, well, when it published, I said like, I'll be back in a few weeks. I'll just order some then. And now yeah. it's nice. A, it's actually ooh, the really margin nice. looks a bit. Ooh, is that right in the middle? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a bit tight, but it's all right. Yeah, it's a bit. <laughs> that's what she said. <laughs> oh no. Um, that would be good though. Somebody said that they've been, my cousin actually, he, he's like CMO at a startup in London. He's been dipping in and out of it. And then a friend of mine yeah. has actually read it. It's quite funny. A lot, a lot of orders and then nobody reads it. And then I think at some point they're like, well, I've got a week off. I'll get like a research book up. Yeah. Uh, no, I'll steady sales, really steady sales, couple per week, which is nice. Yeah, it's good. I mean, yeah. I mean, it must be, do you have your phone binging every time you get a sale? No, no. I don't have any notifications for that. Yeah, you should. I've got to try to spend something on my card just in case there's fraud. No, it's nice. It's funnily, even though it's like, you know, the Kindle version is 99p, so it's, it's like zero profit, 50p per sale. But it should it's, be it's nice because it's like a really, yeah, it's different with the course, right, which is obviously more expensive, but it's, um, I think it's more rewarding in a way because it's more, it's more of you. Directive, yeah. I'm looking me. forward to reading it. I'm seeing, I'm like getting inside yeah. your head a little bit. I'm looking forward to yeah, that. Good, good. You're gonna get I'll come back, back to you with all your arguments. tactics about being more mindful, being more resilient, and uh, focusing on the essential. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, yeah, I'm definitely gonna. Well, give us a review on Amazon. I've got two five stars, so three okay. would be You're like this book is shit. Don't climbing. ever do a course with this guy. <laughs> Dreaming past, inspired by Marty Kagan and Escape yeah. the Build Trap, all that rubbish. Yeah, yeah. really good books. Um, <laughs> yeah, do actually do read it. Feel free to highlight key parts. 
I, do you know what I always do? All my books get destroyed because I, um, I end up having them as like... Um, a, so I, well, I, I say a reference point. Right. <laughs> one thing I'm really looking forward to um, about... Yeah, I do that on my Kindle, but I, I think actually... You know, my rule from now on is going to be books that I feel I want to dip back into, I'm getting the yeah. physical version because I, I don't like... I not, yeah, I know. And just notes on Kindle. That's way like, bigger than I thought. See, I've got that on Kindle. Um, I like the, you should you should record yourself reading your book for the audio version. That yeah, would be think cool. Think how fucking boring that is though. I would like well, to you. Do <laughs> <laughs> also, I think my voice is quite I don't think it's I think I'd get someone to do it. I think it's a bit monotonous. No, I, I think, think as in because it's like a window into the author and because I always said to Jake that he should have narrated like his own like yeah, yeah. Um, Audio oh, you know, it's kind of thing, it's on my list, but it's definitely sticking to the principles that I outline in the book. Yeah. Principle three being focus on the essential. Um, yeah. It has been very much not on my to-do list. <laughs> yeah, little, I mean, especially when you've got 10. No, I would, I would like to. I'm, this is the kind of thing that I, I think with, um, I mean, also we're only out of year one of Prod MBA as, as a business. So my... I, my feeling is that in a year there's going to be a lot more slack in terms of, you know, cause ultimately it's getting to point where it's like getting 25% of sales are coming through referral. I think we'll get that up to yeah. 50 even by summer. Yeah. So as less time is spent on sales, um, I will be spending more time on stuff I really enjoy, like reading, writing again as well. I could see another yeah. book coming out on product strategy. I did a sort of draft oh. of a few articles before actually. Cool. How long actually did it take you to write your book? Oh, this is always the big question. Um, I think writing a book is easy if you have built, put the groundwork in. Like the, actual, the actual writing was 45 minutes, first thing every morning for six weeks. That's it. That's actually pretty good. Pretty like, that's actually, I mean... I mean, that's also cut down about a hundred. That is that plus a hundred pages from yeah. the previous version. So yeah. the, the hard part is you need to build, you, you need a writing habit. So that only works because I gradually built up journaling over six years. At some point yeah. I was writing an article every morning. Yeah. And I do that in 20 minutes. So I time box it. And then I was like, I could see a thread across all these articles. And then, well, nah. actually I could see a book here and then just did the, did the structure did you like beginning middle and end kind of thing yeah beginning sex three sections then conclusion and then one thing that really helped was i had two weeks off when we we're up in the kalahari desert yeah and um writing so i had no i didn't have touch internet for two weeks and just did the hour writing every morning like before getting up yeah. you know and was this on your laptop or did you write yeah write, so i had laptop write. no internet yeah. for two weeks yeah and I just had my write app open. So just did that. Yeah. And because I was thinking about it a lot and in a non-pressure way, I think that was a really key for the first few weeks to get the structure out. And then you're just sort of going through yeah. bulking it out essentially. Yeah. I, I, I really like writing, but I'm I think I'm too critical of my words. Yeah, you, I, you, it's I, one key thing, you just put it out. Like yeah, I, because it's like, every day. You just put it out. Some of them will yeah. be crap, but some of them yeah. will be 
will resonate with people. Yeah, and it's almost like someone said to me, it's like, well, imagine you were on the panel and you were doing interviews. You would be able to form a very good answer verbally. And like, that's almost like how you should write because you don't yeah, say yeah. something, oh, actually, let me just rephrase, rephrase exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. People just don't, people, the worst case scenario, people just don't, like, they just glance over it and that's it. <laughs> Forget about it. I mean, it's literally... People aren't going, oh, another cramp article by Rob. It's just not how people think. <laughs> it's just, you know, yeah. it just blends into the background and they're scanning yeah. a page. Um, yeah, that's no, definitely just specific tips. Yes, you, you need to start with a daily habit, definitely. And I'd start with a private journal just because you're, yeah. you're getting into the habit of writing your thoughts. Then yeah. you start with articles and then from that, you'll start being able to write sort of more, more cohesive chapters yeah just practice as well i think isn't it just yeah 100 i mean this is why everyone always says like right it's it's bad question right saying how do you write a book because it's not about the writing of the book it's about the years of building in the background i would recommend it though i just did it as a hobby i would love to do it at some point i also i think it really spawned all of the stuff i've done over the last two years i think it just gave the clarity and focus like what do i really want to do and like what am i really passionate about i think it really planted a flag in a positive way and do you have you like is there anything in your book that you've read that you kind of disagree with now because you've got more experience yeah i think the not on the leadership but the first first book is essentially like that plus too broad so i cut it down but around lean startup process this kind of thing like how do i yeah i think it's about um Real one thing realizing just keeping stuff really simple and not giving so that you'll see there's like lots of tips and tactics I think yeah. actually in future i just see like here's the one thing that i would do to be more mindful here's one thing i would do to be more uh, robust for example um just otherwise people don't apply it and that's the big thing i learned so we stopped doing for example like webinars we get like 100 people on a webinar great brings in sort of leads and gets interest for product mba you do this thing, you know, it's like, here is the exact steps for doing the minimal viable offer framework. And then surprise, surprise, like zero people go and do it because they're just passively listening in. Yeah. Like, well, that's just not part of our value proposition at all. And it's not something I'm interested yeah. in doing. Instead, yeah. now what we do is like we do small hands-on workshop with like 10, 20 people. At least they're putting it into practice. The same yeah. thing with ProdMBA. Like I always look at stuff through the lens or if, yeah, the team comes to me and says, oh, we could do this. Like, is it going to be hands-on and actionable? Because if not, it's a waste yeah. of time. They're not going to do it. And that's why I like yeah. the design sprint as well. It's like people do actually go and... Obviously, you're going to have a lot of people that do the training and never run one. Yeah. Like, the hit rate's probably way higher than most trainings and courses. And yeah. yeah, I think you're right on that, actually. Yeah. yeah. And then, anyway, I think as well with it being, I mean, I guess this comes down to money, money as well, doesn't it? Like when, when you're paying quite a high premium for training as well, like people want to yeah, it's typically definitely. put that money to good use, especially if it's being funded by the company, for example. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing I noticed as well with, um, so I like when people self fund the product mix. So if they're putting two to three K pounds, pounds yeah. into program, they come at it with a gravity, that is very important because otherwise they'll drop off, right? Because it's t- the product leadership stuff is tough. It's yeah. not like so, you know someone's not there to tell you what to do, or like what problems to work on, what the strategy might be, all this stuff. Yeah, we are there obviously to support as mentors and like the other students help each other out. But 
yeah. like there's a lot of pressure on you and, and it's you're in a very new environment for most people so i think it's really valuable when someone pays for themselves because they've got i mean they've got skin in the game right and then it's a waste of time for everybody do you get them also i might have asked you this question before because this came up in a sprint one time um for one of the californian sprints but actually um we do you ask people to kind of write a statement up front about why they're doing it and then get them to reflect upon that at the very end it's quite interesting sort of so i will always be get them to be crystal clear on like what outcome they want to achieve before pit like pitching right or, or yeah. giving them more info on the preliminary so that that's really clear and obviously that that aligns with what i think we deliver yeah. week one in the check-in i'll make sure that what problem they're working on i think aligns with their outcomes so if somebody yeah. really needs to build up digital skill set like we, you know we try to say follow what the customer wants right in some cases yeah. it's a better strategy to build non-digital first in some yeah. cases, I know that you need to build up this skill set. So I'd go, well, why don't you look at this problem? Because I can see quite a nice path forward yeah. to building up this kind of skill set. If, yeah. um, you know, if it's more about confidence, then I'm like, I want you to do something where you're reaching out to real people that you don't know and you know, really getting outside of your comfort zone. Yeah. Kind of thing. And then, yeah, in the end, the, the case study is actually a really nice way to, to wrap up their learning and provide self-reflection because they're essentially pitching like here's, here are my principles, process, problem statement, vision, strategy, objective, key results. Here's what I did. So that they're, they're reflecting on everything they did over the eight weeks. Yeah. Um, and that, that's really valuable because they, they suddenly go, like, oh, wow. Yeah, that was a difficult journey. But actually, look how much I did and look how much I learned. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. cool. Yeah, it's really interesting. But uh, yeah, when we just wrapping up week three. So uh, no, going well. But it gets more and more comfortable and you feel you get, you know, getting better and better with each iteration, which is, uh, yeah, which is nice. Yes. I'm sort of pushing them at the moment. Perfect. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think it's the same with anything as well. Like you, you start to formulate, um, kind of behavioral, uh, patterns with people as well, because there'll be kind of similar questions being asked. Yeah. And you see, exactly. So it's like week three and four, there's the dip, right? Where they week one and two, they're all really excited. And it's, Oh, I've got this problem. I could do a million things. And now they have to make a decision about what the offer might be and then what that might look like as a business and a solution. So you see this like uncertainty and self doubt, lack of confidence. So part of what I have to do when it's a Q and a, you know, introduce and just be like, I know everybody's in this, you know, you're going to be in this, not quite sure, you know, you're falling back a bit, falling behind a bit. Part, part of my role at the moment is just being like, it's fine. Yeah. It's, it's part of this process. Don't worry about it. So you warn them of, like, so I, I came up with this thing in the sprint for this emotional roller coaster. And it was like basically through the two days, you're, you, I even made like this kind of wavy diagram so that it would kind of depict exactly what, what part of the process you were and how you would kind of be feeling. And what's really interesting is that, you know, you have this midway point of where people tend to kind of, you know, they come in at slightly higher of the midway because they're quite excited, but there's a little trepidation there as well. But then they literally go into this like deep curve, like where they're going into the expert interview. And then obviously when they're creating their concept sketch as well, they go into this deep curve because they're just, there's this uncertainty about what they're creating. But it's, and especially in training. So when I've done training for sprints as well, when you educate people, on this kind of emotional roller coaster and actually tell them how they're going to be feeling through the actual training as well. That also is great because they then go, ah, okay, great. Like when people are creating their concept sketch, for example, and they're feeling people are feeling really low, I then 
say to them, it's like, yeah, it's quite a normal feeling. You should be feeling like this right now. And then populate a slide saying, yeah, you're not feeling alone right now. This is how yeah, it yeah. feels. And that actually in itself automatically makes people feel better because they like go, well, fuck. Like he's predicted that. Yeah, it's exactly yeah, it's just not, yeah, this guy yeah, knows exactly what, what's going you know, on. Exactly. So I've learned now to mention it. And actually this slide, yeah. I, I something I'm going to do tomorrow is I'll, I'll do a post at this point. I think just showing that emotional journey is really, really powerful. Yeah, it's a really, but, um, yeah, it's a really good idea. And he, again, you, you're just understanding human behavior. And once people feel like they're understood, then that's half the problem solved already. Exactly, so. exactly. And that's also with product managers. It's what they're lacking. They've got nobody saying like you're doing this right or it's fine. And you know the, the mentorship role is, yeah, ninety percent of people I speak to is lacking. So um, yeah, just that moral support as well as obviously like, you know, actionable frameworks and yeah. tactics with that stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like that idea. I'm gonna steal that with the, the emotional journey graph. Yeah. I think um, that's a good place to wrap up. It's been a, that was a good natter. Well, I can tell blast. I'm coming out of a sprint. I feel a little bit more, um, a little bit more open to kind of really sensible conversation. There's, <laughs> I, I, there's been so many, like, I'm well, not so many, it's been a cu- last couple of podcasts where I literally feel like I've just been an empty shell. Just, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love doing them, but like, this has been like, I've just Imagine been like, they're quite like you yeah. just constantly sort of baby sitting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just exhausted. So um, yeah, it was a really nice conversation. So yeah, that, was fun. that was fun. We, well, we also, we went straight in some good producty stuff. We did actually. Yeah. I didn't things. even get, haven't even asked you how your week was. How was your week head? Good. <laughs> Good, good. No, it's been uh, no good, good. Natural point where we're at uh, week three, as I said, is like part of it is just like encouraging people to keep going. Yeah. Um, what else? Sales slowly coming in for the June cohort. I'm not expecting to sell that out, so I'm trying to I'm trying to take pressure off myself. It's like, why the hell? So if you're in the UK, right, most of our clients, yeah. are like, why the hell would you do spend 15 hours a week over summer <laughs> for 10 weeks doing yeah. this when it's like you're just let out the house finally in May? Yeah. So and actually, I'm, not, some, I'm, not expect, yeah. I'm expecting to be like, you know, 10 out of 20 places, which is fine. Yeah. Then I focus more on the product, which I wanted to do anyway. But it's just yeah. taking that sort of, you know, that fear of, oh, you know, we're not filling it out. We're not selling out that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and just realizing yeah. that's, that's fine. Like, you know, October, we've already got quite a few people in the waiting list. So. Um, yeah, yeah. So September, yeah. October is when it all kicks. But that was something we noticed that AJ was the masterclass sales would dip in the summer holidays. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Why not? Are, if you're near, yeah, enjoy sense. your summer. Yeah. Northern Europe, like, enjoy yeah. summer. It's short. Yeah, uh, exactly. So I'm not. I'm trying to just not worry. I mean, it's, you know, it's like on your mind in a way. But um, I'm trying to just remember it, it's fine. It's going to be completely normal to do. Yeah, and it's an opportunity because it means I can focus more on the product. There's quite a few things I wanted to change, and I need a good three months to really dig into that. Yeah, um, so that's your that's your opportunity to do so. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, otherwise, good. We're um, what else? We are. Well, we're leaving Brazil finally in ten days. So you're going back to UK, yeah? It's heating up a bit here. So we're, no, we're going to spend two weeks in Serbia uh, mm-hmm. and then go to the UK from there so we don't have to do the hotel quarantine. Yeah, okay, cool. Which is nice as well. Belgrade is meant to be super nice. So quite looking forward so to that. So when you say things are heating up as in, as in politically or summer? No, there's just a lot of, it's a lot of cases. And uh, yeah. they're not going to go down because like Brazil, it's like, they did a lot, they're in lockdown at the moment. People just yeah. like... 
cool, we're going to do a barbecue and party for 10 days. <laughs> like, just not going to happen. Yeah. So um, my worry is that like the only place we could fly to is Serbia or Bosnia. If they close that route, then it'll be tricky to get back to Europe in the summer. You'd have to go via yeah. some somewhere crazy. So the moon. <laughs> back, yeah. No, I mean, it's cra- crazy. The amount of only 20 people, directly or indirectly, that have died here in the last four months. A lot. Like two of our neighbors' relatives, Rebecca. They old like, people as well. Yeah, yeah. In their 50s. Yeah. Not like old, old. Um, so I think we felt sort of time to, time to depart. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, uh, otherwise, otherwise, you know, with us, it's fine. Like, we've got a nice place here, space, nice and quiet. So uh, no complaints at all. There's more people I know getting vaccinated here now as well. So I guess this is a bi-weekly podcast. So I guess if anyone's listening to this, the you know we have slow progressions on on updates on vaccines from vaccines, sorry, from here in the UK. But yeah, finally, people it feels like are actually getting vaccinated now. So oh, nice. Oh yeah, yeah, one exciting thing. Sorry, not important. Go They're gonna finally let people go back to football games in June. I think it is. Okay, should be really good. You know, it's like the idea of seeing, I don't know if you found that you watch like films or series, like seeing people in crowds, you're like, oh, that yeah, it seems really unnatural. Fun, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it actually seems unnatural now. Like, yeah, exactly. Or, one of my mates um, said, one of the, sorry, the first of every, his direct quote, the first of everything is going to be awesome. It's like the first concert, the first football <laughs> game. Okay. It's just going to be mental. Yeah. Yeah, people yeah, are going to just literally get fucked up crazy <laughs> when they go to pubs and stuff. It's going to be, it's going to be oh crazy. God. I think it's this Saturday, it's 11th or something. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be really full on. There'll be some funny videos coming out of it. Anyway, we've nearly done an hour, so I think we should wrap up. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for listening, everyone. We've been all about the product. Next time we speak, I will be in Serbia, actually. Oh, Enjoying cool. Do you want to do a quick recap of what we did? This yeah, yeah, I was writing some notes. I think I only started halfway through. We talked about the user versus business value and the need to focus on the business, not just the user. Nice example, yeah. nice little discussion on do you go for growth versus profitability, some of the pros and cons of that. MailChimp, example number one. Yeah. User interviews, the importance of those. Some little tips. And they don't have to be hard as well. That's the other thing. They don't have to be hard, too. And then we talked about my book, which everybody, if you haven't already, order it. Go to prod.mbl. It's in the footer. Right now, go to Amazon. Don't even listen to it. This is posted right now. So actually, you're right now. Yeah, right now, press go to Amazon, (laughs) one click buy. (laughs) (laughs) They would definitely not find it. Go to (laughs) prod.mbl, go to the footer, buy the book. And yeah. then really nice tip that I'm stealing is that emotional journey and sort of illustrating it in a nice way. Yeah. A good tool. We've been all about the product. Thank you for listening. See you next time, everybody.